Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Time to Come Alive. My name is Valerie Hope. I am your coach, and I'm also your host. And this morning, we're here in Dallas, Texas, is no different than all the other mornings that we've had some really amazing guests to have wonderful conversations with us. And the idea is to make us more conscious as individuals, but also more connected to the community or to the people around us. And if, because of that connection, we then get an opportunity to be even more creative in the world. And, and that's what I hope that you guys get out of this conversation today. In just a moment, I'll introduce my guest. But as you know beforehand, a couple of notes for you is if you're watching this on Facebook or if you're watching this later, please share with your community what you're listening to, what you're talking about, because it'll enhance your conversations and your relationships with them. And this topic specifically will be a big one. You'll want to have this one at your dinner table <laughs> for sure. Now, before we get started, I like to make sure that we prepare ourselves for how we're going to listen to this conversation. So I invite you to sit up if you're sitting down or if you're standing, just to make sure that your, your feet are planted firmly on the ground. Now you have the option, if you'd like to close your eyes, you may, if you're in a safe place to do so. If not, you might want to soften your gaze and really just gaze inward. And take deep breath, slowly release it. And as you do that, I want you to really think about the people in your lives, specifically the men and women in your life who've contributed to who you are. So see if you can find in your mind's eye someone, might be parents, could be your siblings, perhaps a, you know, relatives, aunts, uncles, could be husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. Like really look at all those relationships, the close ones that you have, perhaps at work even, colleagues, mentors, bosses, so find those relationships that have meant the most to you. Okay, bring them up. And I want you to think about your relationship with that individual or with those individuals. Keep breathing. Some ways you might find there's a lot of gratitude in those relationships. So if that's the case, bring that gratitude up. What are you most grateful for, for having those individuals in your life? What have they brought to your life that is, that, that's enhanced it? Think about the partnership that you've created with them. And now you might also see that there are some areas or some of those relationships that might bring up some discomfort or pain or resignation. Just think about what might need to be healed in those relationships. Again, just keep breathing through it. And as you have those relationships front of mind today, I want you to consider the information you're going to receive and how those, that information might enhance the gratitude that you already feel or perhaps begin to address the hurt and the healing that needs to happen. Okay, just take... Another couple deep breaths, release them slowly. And when you're ready, refocus your gaze or open your eyes and rejoin us. All right, welcome back. 
I have a wonderful guest this morning here in Dallas, Texas, who also happens to share same, well, not the same zip code, but we're in the vicinity, right? <laughs> also in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And Adrian Dwarak and I met, I guess, one year ago. Mm-hmm. And, and when I interacted with Adrienne is because she's a facilitator of PACS programs. And we'll talk more about what that is in a moment. She'll share some more details around that. But I, I went to a course that was about men and women and our relationship and how to enhance them. And it was really game changing. Some of you who are close to me know because I have been, I've been such a promoter of these courses because it's made such a difference in my relationships. But Adrian, one of the things that I most admire about you is not only were you giving really great, solid com- you know, information and provided validation, but just your excitement about mm-hmm. delivering the information that you delivered and also your openness and your vulnerability in sharing where you, why it was such important information for you to teach because of your life and how you grew up, but then also the impact this had on your marriage. And you were so open about everything that was happening in your marriage at the time. And even now, after you've learned that, that was so inspiring. And I think you gave every single person in the audience and in the other courses I've taken with you, uh, you gave us hope. And I invited you because I would love for you to share that hope with everybody. (laughs) So anything else you'd like to add to that introduction? Uh, No, um, thank you. It's just made a tremendous impact in my life, made such a difference. And I do, I love sharing this information with everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So, So give us a sense, first of all, so what this information is, is really about how men and women can better partner. So tell us a little bit about PAC's program. So we have... A context for for what we're going to talk about later. Absolutely. So, our company was founded uh, almost 30 years ago by a woman named Allison Armstrong, and um, I guess I'll just tell them the frog farming story. You think? Yes, that's story? great. Yeah. So she had a failed marriage and failed relationships, and um, she was really struggling in her relationships with men. And she went to a workshop and the workshop, a man, a a workshop leader who was a man told her that she was a frog farmer or actually told her friend. um, But she realized as soon as he described what that was, that that was her. And, you know, we've all heard the story about a princess who kisses a frog and turns him into a handsome prince. And she discovered that the reverse can work as well, where a man can start out really great at the beginning. And after a certain amount of time, the relationship just goes downhill and into a downward spiral. And if it happens often, we call that frog farming. (laughs) So she decided to, she was thrilled when she found out actually, because if she didn't realize, you know, what was wrong, but now that she knew that there was something she was doing to cause it, that meant there was something she could you know, stop doing so that it wouldn't happen or things that she could start doing uh, to, to have it not happen. And uh, the only problem is she didn't know what she was doing to cause it. <laughs> and she treated men the way that her friends treated men, that her mother treated men, all the women in her life, even the women on TV treated men. So she decided to have a project that she thought would take three months max because men were so shallow. <laughs> to figure out what it was that, you know, was causing her to be a frog farmer. 
And here, 30 years later, she's still researching men, and it's still one of her favorite things to do, and her research is showing no signs of slowing down, um, as you know, with relationships and men and women and everything changing in our environment. So um, what's fascinating is that she discovered that all men are both part prince and part frog, and we as women have a lot to do with which one we get. And it was so empowering that she, you know, realized this. And so, and through her, all of her research, she's discovered all these ways that, you know, we can bring out the frog and things that we can stop doing to not bring out the frog and all these things that we can do to bring out the prince in the men in our lives. And the goal of it all is to help women get what they need with less effort and in what makes them happy. And what I love most about it is that it honors how men and women are designed. And it's so exciting because, you know, all of her research was social research and interviewing men and all of our work comes from men, you know, interviewing them and men and women. And, and so it's been fantastic. But what's so exciting is in the last 10 years, science is proving everything we've been teaching for 20 you know just been teaching since 27 years ago um science is proving everything and it's incredible scientists have documented an astonishing array of hormonal structural genetic and differences between men and women and it has a profound effect on us and um and so what I love about our work is, you know, we've discovered and science has proven that men and women are different. <laughs> they're not defective. <laughs> and they're different in a way that can't be cured with therapy. <laughs> so we, um, what I love is that given that we're different and, and given how we're different, you know, what we teach is what to do about it. How to get, how can men get what they need and what makes them happy? you know, with how women are designed and how can women get what we need and what makes us happy while honoring how men are designed. And it's so beautiful because it, it honors both. It, it, it provides for all the things we need and all the things that men need to bring out the best in both of us, but also how to empower us both to be our best and, and truly have what we need so that we can be happy and be better partners. And and I it really, my experience has been just being able to have this upward spiral, just a beautiful partnership that just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, my husband and I are so happy and, you know, he says it all the time, we've never been happier and our relationship just keeps <laughs> getting better. And so I just love it. I love it so much. <laughs> One of the things I was so excited about is how much your story, I don't know, I don't know if all the details of the story, but some of the things that you brought up initially that attracted you to Allison's work were very similar to mine. You know, There's some healing that I needed to do in my relationships. And so I'm curious about what is it that drew you? Tell us a little bit about maybe how this, your upbringing influenced who you are or who you were at the time before you found Allison and what's been the impact? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I'll so my mom was just amazing. She's incredible. One of the first wave feminists and she works so hard to, for everything in her career. And she always was such a hard worker. And my aunts are just incredible women, incredible success, but it was hard. It was really hard for them. And so as a gift to me and my sister, 
she really tried to raise us to be strong, self-sufficient, you know, sisters doing it for ourselves. <laughs> and, and I'm so grateful for it, but she really tried to, what her experience was is in the workplace, um, she just really struggled. And so she thought if she tried to raise us more masculine in a more masculine way, that we would be much more successful at work. And so things like, you know, we weren't allowed to cry because of course, and you know, if you ever cried at work, nobody will respect you. And, um, and so different, different things that she did and just really reinforcing those values again, to set me up to be as successful as I could be in my life. She really was trying to raise me in a way that she thought would make us great at work. And both my sister and I, ended up having great careers. Uh, I went into computer science and business and then worked for uh, Ernst & Young and Deloitte and then was in IT consulting for uh, many years until I, I found Allison and started working full time for her. And then my sister went into the Marine Corps and became a pilot in the Marine Corps, not just, you know, normal Corps. So she's an officer in the Marine Corps and uh, she's shorter than me. I'm five foot three and a half and she's shorter than me and that girl can lift a 200 pound man over her shoulder and wow. carry him the length of a football field because that's what's required of course mm -hmm. uh, for them to be able to be in combat and she's she's just incredible I mean she truly is she flew the president for four years she after that she got to plan all the trips for the president around the globe um, she worked at the pentagon she was an attache to a general she, and she's just got promoted. She's going to be the first CO, which is commanding officer uh, in aviation for the Marine Corps that they've ever had. Oh and she's, God. oh, I'm so excited. And there's only been two other women who've been commanding officers ever. And she's only 42 years old. And I'm just, oh, we're so proud of her. <laughs> I can tell. So I'm yeah. curious because both you and your sister, because of the upbringing, it sounds like, also went into very male-dominated fields. Very, so, yes. curious, give me an example for you, what it was like knowing, you know, being raised to be more, uh, more masculine. What was that like? What did you do or say that maybe had an impact on those relationships? Well, um, well, in my romantic relationships, it was always a struggle because I was, you know, in more masculine mode all the time. And, um, and you know, as examples. You, what was, yeah, yeah, what does that look like? Well, I mean, I would say, so in relation, so it was serving very well at work, you know, it was always, you know, great, very focused and driven and productive and, um, and all that at work. So it was great at work and great for my sister at work. But, you know, my sister's ex-husband used to always complain that, you know, he wants to be married to a girl. <laughs> I, I want to be married to a girl. And men have told us so, that so much. It's been so funny how many men I've researched. I've researched over a thousand men in the last nine years. And it's so funny how many say that same thing. And then um, in my own relationships, it, it was just like a power struggle. It was kind of like, um, we call it dueling providers, but you can imagine like locking horns and, you know, let me be in charge, let me do this. And um, just a very strong, I would say, you know, masculine energy now that I know what I know now. Um, but it was just like, a lot of battling, a lot of fighting, a lot of kind of power struggles, um, and, and not a lot of cherishing or worshiping, you know, like I would want the girl in me wanted, but, um, and so it, I could see in my past relationships, how it was competitive and that, that got in the way. And, you know, again, um, just, you know, not, not a lot of support, I would say just a lot of 
fighting, tension, uh, frustration, and, and, and challenges, and struggles. And so, um, so, and that's what brought me to Allison in my marriage. So um, I've been married for 20 years now, thank God, and it's because of Allison. I'm sorry, not married 20 years. I've been with Joe for tw- almost 20 years, and um, but we've been married for 17 and a half years. And we were went through a time where we were really struggling and uh, we went, Joe has uh, two children from a previous marriage, Ryan and Amy, and I've been with them since they were only four and six. And so they were young and he had been through a divorce, obviously when they were very young. And so we were really struggling, you know, a lot of the tension, frustration, uh, just lots of struggles. And we didn't want to put the kids through another divorce. So we really, really did work on it. We really tried, you know, of course, all the books, but um, we went to therapy. We did uh, marriage workshops. We, uh, you know, we did like these weekend things at churches here in Dallas for marriages. We even went on family camps for many years where we would get marriage counseling during the day and the kids would do camp activities and they know we'd all be together. Um, we did a lot and, and spent a fortune, you know, like I said, on counseling, but we kept, it would help for two to three weeks. It seemed maybe, you know, about everything seemed to help for a little while, but we would go back to the same frustration, tension, my hurt feelings, my disappointment, um, you know, just lots of fighting. And so I remember, you know, really thinking, gosh, I, I don't know if I can do this. This is just you know, bait and switch. And I just thought I can't do this forever. And, you know, I really thought Joe was the problem because he had already had a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> we have a way of rationalizing, don't we? Yeah. Right. And I thought, well, he had, he, you know, he didn't get his issues fixed and he brought his issues into my marriage. And, you know, I really thought he was the problem. And then thank goodness. Um, so my sister found, you know, Allison Armstrong and understandmen.com and they had she was in Camp Pendleton where that huge marine base and they had a lot of courses in LA and San Diego and so she thought you know let's just before you do anything let's take these courses because worst case it'll help us with our careers and you know in that day even in this day and age at the time all of my projects had been mostly men and of course in the Marine Corps it's like 97% males so um it was amazing. So I flew to California and took, you know, what's now the Understanding Men course. And, um, and it was fantastic. It really made a difference for us. What was the and first thing that you got from that course that you started to apply in your marriage? Um, well, I mean, that first night, I'll never forget that I called Joe and I apologized to him. And he said it was one of the most poignant moments in his life. And, um, you know, as you know, that Saturday night after that, the first, you know, everything you learn in the first, so I could see all the things I was doing to bring out the frog in him that I didn't even know I was doing. And I could just, oh my gosh, the whole list (laughs) There were things that I did that I didn't even realize the effect that it was having. And so that was huge. Um, all the criticizing and complaining and, and, you know, and we teach women what to do instead, but learning the effect of all the things that I was doing that would bring out the worst in him, what we call a caveman attack, um, but really, you know, bringing out the frog. And, you know, I mean, one of the things 
that I think I used first was, you know, how to listen to men and how the female instinct is when you're talking to another woman to be like, Oh my gosh, me too. And to kind of interrupt so that, you know, she knows that you're really listening, but you're kind of giving them enthusiastic, like, Oh, that's great. Oh, Oh, that's fantastic. Or, Oh, me too. And I would do that a lot. Um, and that's just one of the, the tools that we teach women, but I, I'll never forget how much more he shared with me when I stopped doing that. And so, you know, when I could just listen and not interrupt and how much more he shared and more he shared and I couldn't believe it. I mean, truly I'd been with him for, I think 10 years at that point, um, maybe 11 and he had never shared as much as he had once I learned these tools for listening and speaking with men. And so that was for sure one of the first, you know, empowering tools, the things to bring out the prints that I used and I learned and it was great. Wow. I wonder how that impacts other women because I remember the first same thing. I think after that first, maybe it was after the whole weekend because it's a Saturday, Sunday course. Mm -hmm. And at this point, when I took the course, I've been divorced 13, 14 years or something. It's been a long time. But we had a lot of those same challenges. And he would ask me, he's like, you need, uh, I need you to be more of a woman. And I would be insulted, deeply insulted by that. And I had no clue what he was talking about. How, how much more women do you need? <laughs> like, <laughs> biologically, I'm there. But I did understand the emotional, mental right part of it. But I did call him after 14 years of being divorced. And although we rebuilt and healed a lot of our relationship, I realized that I need to clean that part up because I didn't realize I'd made a mess. And I called him and I told him, I said, you know what? Remember those times when I would argue with you about doing this a certain way and how you didn't do it right. So let me just do it instead. Or, you know, in front of my mom, I would do, oh my gosh, like if I think I was so horrified, some of the things that I said, even when my mom was visiting, I would totally diminish his contribution. Like, no, I got, I'll drive because you don't know where we're going anyway. You know, little things like that. Although it wasn't intended to punish or hurt him, I really thought that I could take care of it better, but I made it very clear that I could. And, and I remember I just, I gave him some of those examples and I said, I am so sorry. Because I didn't realize the impact that it was having on our relationship. I didn't realize that it was emasculating to you for me to have that attitude. I really thought that I was doing my part, right? To really contribute. And, um, and he was silent for a while as I was sharing. And, and after I stopped, I'm like, Oh, I just, I want you to forgive me. And he was like, Valerie, there's nothing to forgive. It's been, it's been 14 years. What's the big deal? And I said, well, I just, I just want to be responsible. I just want to take responsibility. And he just paused and he said, thank you. That means the most to me. And oh. yeah, it was just like, oh, I know. <laughs> Great job. It's had such an impact. So I, I'm just curious about what are some of the things that, that men or women come to you for? Like, what are the, the challenges that they're having? So I want people to hear that this could be a small common thing that we're not even aware of that could be having such a detrimental impact. Well, um, one of the things I struggled with um, and is, you know, and like I shared a lot of men will say, you know, I really just want to be And thank you. Your story was beautiful. Um, but a lot of men will share. It's like, gosh, I really want to be married to a girl. And, um, and, you know, again, when, when we come home, we can be in what we call hunter mode all day at work and be in that awesome, you know, kick butt mode. But then we come home, if we can't shift and we're in that same kind of 
I don't want to call it dictator, but you can just, you can see that energy, you know, we got to get this done and this done. And, and then being in that mode, it's hard for them to recharge and relax. And, um, and what I never realized is just because the way I was raised was again, strong, self-sufficient sister doing it for herself. And I went to college at UT in Austin and it was totally the message for sure was, you know, have your career first and do lots of amazing things with your career. And then maybe later you can think about a family, you have plenty of time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, and, and what I hear a lot from couples was that I was just really in this masculine mode. And, you know, as you know, from the workshop, Allison's moved more toward gathering mode and um, yeah. hunter mode, but it really is the words that couples use when they come to me or men use and women use when they come to me is really that masculine and feminine, those masculine and feminine words. So I'm going to use it here, but that's what it was for me. I really was in this masculine mode all the time. And I had no idea the effect that femininity had on men. And it's incredible because the, um, our society, femininity has been devalued by our society, but it hasn't been devalued by men. It's been devalued by women. Yes. And I could, I could totally see it. I, and I totally felt it all the way through college and all the way through my career. I dressed like a man. You should have seen the clothes I had. I had like loafer shoes that were just like a man. And then my black pants. And then I had long sleeve button down shirts. So just like a man. I mean, I really dressed like I was just, that's, I was just so much in that mode. And, um, and then when I, as I learned more about the effect of femininity on men and how it recharges them and it renews them and it completes them and it balances them. And it really is like plugging your iPhone into the charger, you know, and charging your phone overnight. It really can recharge them and empower them. And, you know, what they get from just being with a happy woman who's smiling and that feminine energy is like nothing else. And, and they say over and over, it's like, well, I don't want to date another guy. You know, I don't want to ask out another guy. <laughs> and so when we stay in that mode, that's what it can feel like, whether we're dating or we're in a relationship and we don't shift out of that work mode when we get home and when we're with them. And so it's, it makes such a difference for men when we can shift. And it's so important for our bodies too, because we have, men have 10 to 32 times more testosterone than we do. And women make their testosterone from their ovaries and their adrenal glands. And so testosterone is the fuel for being in that work mode. So when we're in that work mode all day, we're burning it and burning it. And we do need to use it because we need to be great at work and produce results. But when we come home, if we stay in that mode, mm -hmm. then we're just pulling from our adrenal glands and pulling you know, it, it from our ovaries. And it's causing tremendous health impacts on women, tremendous effects. Women are having tremendously high rates of thyroid problems and adrenal fatigue is just, it's almost epidemic for us and heart failure. It's incredible the amount of heart disease and heart failure that's happening among women at a very young age. And what's happening, and I'm sure as you know, it, infertility has been like it's never been before and so we're, we've achieved so much success my sister and I've had incredible careers tremendous career success but so many women are struggling with you know reproductive part uh, you know repro reproducing and struggling with miscarriages or just not being able to get pregnant and it's because we're pulling so much testosterone and it's you know from these parts of our bodies and then of course 
burning out our adrenal glands. And once we start having adrenal problems and thyroid problems, it's so hard to control our weight and it's just so stressful for us. So it's good for us. It's healthy for us to shift and, and shift out of that masculine mode, shift out of that hunter mode, as we call it, and, and relax a little bit. And the best part is it's so great for our men. And you know, to be around a woman who can shift into that more feminine mode and be happy and relaxed and you know, the, when we can be in that mode, we can be so much more encouraging and appreciative and acknowledging and happy and supportive and, and kind of like a cheerleader, you know, for the men in our lives. And it, the effect that it has on them is tremendous. I love researching men about this and the effect. And when you ask them, what do you love about women? Or what are your favorite things about women? When you listen to them, everything they describe is all of these aspects of femininity. And oh. it's not, you know, that she comes home and she's a man just like me. <laughs> <laughs> she gets stuff done and she's so oh, yes. Yeah. I, I want to oh, yeah. clarify something here because I think one of the reasons that I feel maybe you was assaulted or offended when my husband, you know, my ex-husband would bring up, I'm not girly enough, or I'm not feminine enough. Mm -hmm. I really thought it had to do something with more of the exterior, right? Mm -hmm. About dressing a certain way, about having certain type of nails or hair. You know, I thought it was really like the packaging because mm -hmm. I do see that, you know, when we talk, when women describe women, we say how girly some women, women mm -hmm. are. But what you're talking about in femininity and what I learned was really unexpected to me. So can you give us a few clues about what is feminine to men? Yes, beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And so it's, yeah, it's not, you know, how we're dressing or looking, although my husband does like it when I do dress up and, you know, and put that effort into going out and I always get a great reaction from him. Um, but it's not that it's, it's, it, it's a ways of being. So more masculine and feminine ways of being. And, you know, you can, if you just think about like when you're in the grocery store and if you're, you know, rushing to get something, you know, you, you're rushing and you're in what we call hunter mode, you know, you'd be mowing people down, going up and down the aisle and looking down at your list and walking really fast and, you know, picture being kind of in that energy and in that mode versus if you're at the grocery store and you're not in a hurry and you're in what we call gathering mode or the more feminine mode, then you'd be taking your time, looking at the produce, smelling shampoos and things like that. And so picture how we are in that energy. That's a good way to picture, you know, that mode. And, um, and so imagine, you know, being at home or, you know, being together with our, um, our partners, our romantic partners, either on a date and, you know, it's like, on a date, it's like a job interview, and you know, asking them all these questions. That would be more in that masculine mode, um, or being with them in the evening, spending time with them, and we're like, gotta get this done, gotta get this done, gotta get this, get this done, and you know, running around like the Energizer Bunny, um, and just being productive and, and getting results instead of shifting and being more open and being more relaxed and, you know, really just shifting that way of being. So you can feel it's more this um, intense energy and, and busy energy versus a more relaxed energy. And you can see how if, you know, they've been working all day, how recharging and relaxing it would be to spend time with a woman who'd be more open to listening to them. And, you know, men love it when we listen to them. That's why the listening skills we teach women and the understanding men course are so fantastic. But when we're more in that, 
relaxed energy, that feminine way of being, we can be open to them. We can, they can relax because we're relaxed more. We're more relaxed. We can be more open to being supportive of them and positive and encouraging, um, a lot more appreciation, a lot more acknowledgement. You can see when we're, we're more in that relaxed energy, then all those things naturally come and we're much more likely to be happy and to be, you know, even impressed by them or we're much more able to be um, smiling and, you know, you could just picture all of those different things. Um, supportive, encouraging, being like a cheerleader when we when we're relaxed in that energy and spending that kind of time with them, and it, again, it just restores them and renews them. And I mean, imagine like if we're together and we're we're being that to each other, how it would restore us. It it's you know it refuels us, it re-energizes us, and and it'll balance us when you know we've been um, you know in in that hardcore work mode all day. So it I can we can see it with ourselves, the effect that it has. So of course it makes perfect sense that men would want us to be in that mode. And, you know, the effect of a smiling woman is so powerful on men. And when we are in that hunter mode, we're not really smiling very often. <laughs> and, you know, it just as one of the, the aspects of that feminine way of being and, and what it provides for men. Uh, oh my, there's always so many questions I have, not only for myself, but I'm really just asking on behalf of the women in my life too. Um, so curious about, first of all, a couple of things. When, when you talk about the workplace, and there's so many of us that are spending so much time in the workplace, or even if we're not at an actual company and organization, we're in work mode at home, right? Yeah. Work mode taking care of the finances, work home taking care of the home, the house itself, cleaning, mm -hmm. et cetera. I'm curious about what, tell us a story, maybe that's better, whether it's you or someone that you've, that you've spoken with, what does that shift look like? And what's the impact, especially in the work environment? So I feel like sometimes it's hard for us to balance what that looks like at work, but the impact of being more feminine at work even is impactful on the relationships. So can mm -hmm. you give us an example? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a lot of times we will have to be in hunter mode at work because anytime we need to produce a result and we're responsible for producing results, I mean, they wouldn't hire us if they didn't want us to produce results. So anytime or as if we have our own businesses, then we're going to be in this mode of producing results. And it's okay to be in that mode of producing results, you know, when you're working. Um, but anytime that we can give ourselves a break, I mean, just an example of driving to work, if you can give yourself not, you know, leave just a few minutes earlier, then you're not stressing your body and, and, and stressing your adrenal glands, just driving to work. And so if you can think about something, you know, we can, it can be easier on our bodies at work, even though we're still producing results, if we can give ourselves little breaks to just relax our adrenal glands, or we can also just give ourselves more time uh, in scheduling things. And you know, what I, one of the things I've done is instead of having this legal pad with to all of my to-dos and this perpetual to-do list, it's just so much pressure all the time, is if I can put it in my calendar and then I have that space to get that item done. And then, you know, 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes increments of those to-dos, that really helps me have more space to not be like my heart, because you know how your heart's pounding and you feel that pressure, I got to get this done. Oh my gosh. It's all, I, you know, I have to get this done in the next few minutes. So 
is as I was over scheduling things, I was spending all day with my heart pounding like that. It was just one urgent thing after another, really taxing my adrenal glands. So if I can just schedule it, it's amazing how I'm not killing my body and I can still be productive. So that's one thing that we can help for sure. But, you know, it, a lot of times when we're at work, we'll have other people that we're working with that are in the hunter mode and they're focused and working. And then sometimes we'll be working with people who are in a more relaxed mode in that gatherer mode. Mm-hmm. And so what's important to understand, and you know, we take people through it in the course, is all the things that people need in gathering mode and what people need in hunting mode. So the, the secret is what we call synchronization. And it's really just identifying what mode they're in and knowing what mode you're in and then honoring both and seeing what I need versus, you know, what you might need. So say, you know, you don't have any meetings this morning, we work together and you're in this more relaxed gathering mode. And you want to talk to me about your vacation or the weekend. And I'm like, you know, I've got so many things to get done and it could drive us crazy, you know, as you're going on and on about your weekend or your vacation, um, you know, or vice versa, you know, but what we want to do is synchronize and say, and honor us both. And so one example would be saying, I'd love to hear about your vacation. Um, Can we talk about it at lunch? I have a lot to get done. Or could you give me the two-minute version of how your vacation went? Um, because I have a lot to get done today. And so I'm letting you know that I'm in that hunter mode. I have a lot to get done, but I'm still honoring you. Because in that mode, women will have this need to connect. It'll make them feel safe. And, you know, in just connection makes us all feel safe. And think about a time when you've texted somebody and they don't text you back. And that tension that you feel, you're like, wonder what's wrong. Are they mad at me? Why aren't they replying? And you scroll back to see maybe what could you have said that could have made, why would they be mad? And you're worried about it. And sometimes we'll even text them and say, did you get my text? (laughs) Is everything okay? Well, it's that same tension. So it's that, it's that instinct that we have to connect. So it, she'll be more productive at work. If you just cut her off and, you know, shut her down and not in, you know, or gruff with her or something, then she'll have that tension of like, oh my gosh, is she mad at me? Why, you know, what's wrong with her? Um, or she's so mean type things, but you can make her calm her down and honor her and just let her know, I would love to hear about your vacation. Could you give me the two minute version? And so she'll feel like, oh, she likes me. She, you know, she's just busy and, and it'll get out of her system to share that two minutes worth of her vacation. Or just know that we'll talk about it over lunch, but um, but by honoring her, she can relax. She's not going to have that tension. She's not going to worry that I'm mad at her. And by honoring myself, then I can relieve my tension because I'm getting pissed and upset that she just keeps <laughs> going on and on and on and on. And so we can honor us both just by seeing, you know, which mode we're in and what each other needs and you know, I'm going to have tension if I don't get back to work. So we're both happy. We both get what we need and and it empowers both people to be more productive in that day. So, I mean, that's a great example. And, um, you know, it just, it's so great to be able to recognize it. And, um, and again, just synchronize. There's so many things during the day at work that we can do to synchronize, to um, help each other. I love what you said about that because I have also noticed it. I, you know, I'm a coach and I didn't realize before I took any of these courses, how, especially with the men, mm-hmm. I was in hunter mode as well as a coach. 
and driving for results sometimes had them shut down a bit mm. in some ways, right? For example, the, you mentioned listening. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I really shifted is how I listen because prompting them once and then as they begin, then I interrupted with another question and, well, but what about what this and what about that? And, and that would create some shallow sometimes responses mm-hmm. and, and they just weren't necessarily as forthcoming in certain issues. And I was wondering, like, I didn't understand why, but what, I have, what I've done now since I've learned how to listen is I do put that duct tape, <laughs> proverbial duct tape over my mouth when I ask a profound question. And I just sit and watch, and especially because a lot of them are over Zoom, so some of the cues I have to really focus on their mm-hmm. body language to see how much more they might have to pull from to answer mm-hmm. my question. And so that's been really, really impactful. Just, so tell us a little bit about the tendency that men have to how, to, how they listen to women and how women have a tendency to listen to men. Okay, sure. Yeah. And I love that you shared that because it's been, I've been teaching uh, around Dallas and teaching this information for nine years now. And I can tell you, there's nothing that women have said that more than that, that has helped them at work and help them work with men because we need that information. We need them to go deeper, to really do our job better. We need them to be able to share information besides, of course, in our romantic relationships, we want our guys to open up and share so we can have that intimacy, but at work, oh, it's so powerful. And um, so the differences in how men and women listen are, you know, as a woman, um, when I'm talking with you, if I, if, if you're talking with me and sharing a story and I have kind of a stoic face and I'm not reacting, then we read that as, you know, something's wrong. She doesn't like what I'm talking about. Why isn't she saying anything? Is she even listening to me? Is she thinking about something else? And we'll, we'll get all worried because when women talk with each other, how we know that they're listening and how we know that they're into the conversation is when they're kind of engaging with us and it's like <laughs> nodding our heads yeah. and oh my gosh, me too. Oh, I love going there as well. And oh my gosh, yes, I, I've never been to Cabo, but I, you know, I love Cabo and we went for the first time last year and we had such a great trip. And, you know, for years people were telling us about Cabo too. I agree, you know, as she's telling me about her vacation to Cabo, I would just be compelled to share. I love it too. And, <laughs> You know, we, that's how she, we, I can communicate to her. I like her. I'm into this conversation. I'm really listening to you because I'm responding this way. And so because we have that instinct when we're communicating with men, it, you know, we'll obviously want to interact. And, and it's when we can ha- listen, and women often listen for connection points. Because again, like I mentioned with the texting, when we feel connected, everything's good. But if we feel disconnected, we'll have that tension. Mm-hmm. So as women are speaking or anyone's speaking, we'll be listening for those connection points. It's really like an, oh my gosh, me too moment. <laughs> and we actually have this, like we you know, release a hormone that it's called oxytocin that causes us to bond and we feel great. And, um, and so it's a great feeling and we want to communicate to anybody that we're listening to that, oh my gosh, me too, have that connection um, or just enthusiastically be you know, listening so that they know that we like them and, and we're listening closely. The problem is, is that when, because men are single focused, when they're speaking, they'll be 
communicating what they're trying to say. And then when we do that, we'll interrupt them and it can often, you know, inhibit them going deeper and deeper. So we like to think of it as a well where the shallow answers are on the top. So like Jack and Jill, you know, lower the bucket to get water. And if you imagine, you know, if you ask a man a question and he's sharing, He's going, he's lowering the well, getting that information and, and raising it up and sharing it with you. And if we interrupt with the, oh my gosh, me too, and you know, a comment about what he just said, then it can it interrupts the well, it just stops it. And then we're, you know, we feel like they're they are giving us shallow answers, they're not really going deep, but it's just the way their mind works. And it's because of the effects of testosterone and it causes compartmentalization in their brain and the communication and verbal centers of our brain are three times larger than theirs because of in utero, we have as much estrogen as a full grown woman. And for the first 24 months of um, when we're born, we have these high levels of estrogen and it causes this incredible communication center and emotional processing, emotional memory, but verbal communication center to be three times larger. Now for men, they have as much testosterone in utero and for the first 12 months once they're born. And that causes different structures. It causes, you know, it, those, they have, we have different structures and different genes and the hormones interact with those to cause different behaviors and different developmental um, structures and myelination. And so with men, they have the part of their brain dedicated to sex is two and a half times larger than ours. So two and a half times. <laughs> yes, explains a lot. It does. <laughs> um, but in that listening and communication, we have so many synapses firing and we just have this larger part of our brain. And so that's why we're so quick to say something and interrupt and have a response and add on to what they're saying. And it's just so quick, but because of the way their brains are designed through all that testosterone in utero in the first 12 months, that they, it, it doesn't work that way. So when we uh, are interrupting with these comments and you know gestures and the me too's, then it, it can interrupt that well. And so if we can just pause and wait and what we, we call it putting on the imaginary duct tape and waiting for the well, so waiting for him to go down into the well to share then we don't interrupt that train of thought and interrupt that compartmentalization. He can, you know, give us a deeper answer and a deeper answer. Even if he pauses and is thinking, that's great, but it could be torture for a woman. As soon as there's a pause in a conversation between two women, one of us is going to jump in. And so that's excruciating for most women to be listening and having a pause while they think of the next thing they want to say. But it's so, so important to be able to get the quality information that we need and to not interrupt them, to be able to put a Mona Lisa smile on and, you know, imaginary duct tape and let them share and then let them share. And then if they pause, it's okay, wait, and then let them think of the next thing they want to say. And it's tremendous, especially in, as you've learned in coaching, but in coaching men and um, researching men, you know. I love researching men. I love it. And with all the men that I've researched, it's been just, they just give me more and more gold. And it's been the most important tool that I've learned is to listen to them. And I mean, I'll be like blown away with what they just shared with me. And then I'll, I'll wait with my duct tape, imaginary duct tape. But then they say something even more amazing and then more amazing. And it's just incredible. So it's one of the most important things we can do. And it'll help us so much 
it work to be able to listen, get more details about the problem that we are trying to solve or, you know, all the information that we need to do our best at work and be best at our jobs when we can not interrupt men, stop interrupting them, you know, and wait till, you know, they're done sharing, um, then, and then we can ask another question, but just putting on that imaginary duct tape and not interrupting will help us tremendously. And then of course, in our romantic relationships, because we want our men to share. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really helpful too, because I know I, I in, instinctually, or maybe not instinctually, but I know because of my conditioning, what you are saying, had I listened to that before all this knowledge, I would have been like, we're, we accommodate already so much. Are you saying that now I have to wait for him to talk? Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is that the, the idea that men listen for what's the point in the conversation mm -hmm. and what's the problem made it so easy for me because now I have three brothers, I have mm -hmm. no sisters. So I practice a lot and my boyfriend gets a lot of the benefit too. But literally when my, bro my brother answers the phone and he says, what's up? I now know that he literally means like, why are you calling? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I would launch into this whole story and they're like, um, can I call you back? Yeah. <laughs> You're just cutting me off. I know. Now I know he literally means what's up. So I can start with the point. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Can I, we just want, I just want to connect. And now they have the option of saying, well, can I call you back later? Or, Hey, let's talk this weekend. Or, oh yeah, sure, what's up? And then we have this longer conversation, right? Or I can just get to the point and say, hey, I need to know what we're gonna do for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then he goes automatically into that mode. And it's been such a relief. I think now it's like, you know, when we speak French and another pers person speaks German and we're trying to, well, I'm speaking French, so you're just gonna have to make do. And that's <laughs> how I felt before. Now I know, oh, well, that doesn't make sense in German. I need to actually say it like this. And it's made all the difference in our relationships. It's made all the difference in the communication. So I totally get that. Yeah. The initial was like, I don't want to accommodate again. But now it's yeah. like, I'm actually learning to speak the language that would make most sense in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely. And yeah, I was, I was talking about listening, but absolutely speaking. I mean, men are, you know, or they're listening, you know, hunt the point, hunt the point, hunt the point, or hunt the problem, hunt the problem, hunt the problem. <laughs> And women have an instinct to give a lot of details. And again, it's because of how we are designed. And if you ask me, you know, how was uh, our Understanding Women workshop this weekend? And I said, fine. <laughs> you know, of course we would be like, you know, gosh, uh, you know, is she mad at me? What's wrong? Why isn't she sharing details? Um, then, you know, and so we don't want to communicate that. By getting to the point, it feels like we're just, you know, being mean like that it would it, which is how we would say it to a girl if we were mad at her and so but by giving details then you know that i like you and i love you and i'm sharing oh my gosh it was amazing the couples were so cute how they by the end of the workshop they put their arms around each other and the looks on the men's faces like no way that can't possibly be true so if i'm sharing details like that with you then you know everything's good i'm happy i love you i like you things are great. So that's why we have an instinct to give those details. 
but it's so hard for men who are hunting the point, hunting the point, hunting the point, hunting the problem, hunting the problem, hunting the problem to be like, okay, is that the point or is that the point? Or, you know, like you said, your brothers, you know, I gotta go or it, it's just overwhelming. So when we can get to the point and then share more details later, if they want them, or, you know, again, getting to the point saying, I just want to connect. Oh my gosh, it relieves so many hurt feelings on our part. Because when I would call and share and give all those details and he cuts me off or he needs to go, it is, it's so hurtful. And I feel like he doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me um, or they don't listen and they don't remember, but it's just because, you know, we drown them in details. So <laughs> you're so right. Getting to the point is huge, yeah. and, you know, getting to the point of the problem or whatever. And then also, of course, just letting them know when we do need to connect, then they can, you know, when they're available to, to hear all of that, <laughs> they can yeah. listen. And you're right, even in hunter mode too. When I'm in hunter mode, I really just want to get to the point. I literally sent someone an email the other day. So I was in the class and someone sent an email and I was like, okay, right before I go to class, let me just respond. Mm -hmm. And I was very curt, like, da, 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 here's the answer, boom. And then I remember, I was like, oh, I'm so in hunter mode right now. I went back. It was a woman I was emailing. So I went back and I said, hey, I'm in class. I'm really focused right now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but, but I realized that in, when I'm in hunter mode, I also go into very, like, let's get to the point. Mm -hmm. I don't need the extra details. Um, <laughs> or we only have an hour to get this done. If I have a deadline, I need to make sure that we maximize. So you're, oh, so right. So now let's move it from the workplace and, and, and that. Let's talk a little bit about the family dynamics. I, I'm curious about a couple of things. I have a lot of friends at this point in life where they're either married or in relationships, men who are a little bit older. And I know one of the great things that I learned was all these different stages of manhood that made such a difference. Um, but, but specifically, yeah. I want to focus on the the maybe the tunnel the, the midlife crisis that happens i feel like a lot of my girlfriends are maybe in closer to that range mm -hmm. maybe you can speak to that a little bit and what happens in the relationship because it becomes very almost fragile at that point in time yeah absolutely so um just so everybody kind of has a picture when um in allison's research she discovered all these ways men are responding to women and, um, and that's a lot of her work and all these tools and things that we can do. So men respond differently in a different way, just like we just talked about. But then she learned all these other ways that men are not responding to women that have nothing to do with how their mother raised them or how, you know, their ex-wife or their ex-girlfriend, or it didn't have anything to do with women at all. It just had to do with being a man. And one of those things is what we call the stages of development. And, um, just at a high level, the first stage is birth through puberty, and we call those little guys pages. And you know, they're all about you know act, action and adventure and um, movement, rough and tumble play, things like that. And then from puberty to about 24 or so is the stage we call night, like night in shining armor. And it's all about fun, 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 and uh, testing their limits and adventure. And definitely, you know, the, that teenage boy stage, as we all have know. And then after that is the prince stage. So the prince stage is all about building. And that could be, depending on the man, um, 24 to 
you know, 48, 50 or so, um, depending on, you know, how early he found his career. But it's all about building and building his resume, building his experience, building his kingdom, building his bank account, um, and, you know, building a relationship. So it's lots and lots of building. And then after that stage is the stage we call king. And a king is you know, established, he relaxes a little bit, he can breathe, he can, um, he's achieved a lot, he knows who he is. And, um, and, and so it's more of a, that cake is baked type stage, <laughs> once they get to be king. But in between the stage of prince and king is what we call the tunnel. And the tunnel can be extremely stressful. And it's a time when so many people get divorced. And what the tunnel is, is basically a, a man hits a point where he, he had a plan for his life, what he thought his life was going to look like. And then he hits the tunnel and he's looking at what his life is now versus what his plan was. And it can cause a lot of uncertainty and like this idea of, wow, what do I want to spend the rest of my life? you know, doing this. And, you know, if he's in a bad relationship, he'll be looking at, gosh, I've put up with all this emasculation and, and all of this. And do I really want to spend the rest of my life with this? I only have so much time left. So it's this tremendous time. Uh, it can be, it can be tremendous. So it's very introspective and looking at who he is and who he wants to be. And, and then again, comparing it to what his plan was. And so it can be very stressful. And it, we often call it midlife crisis because it's a crisis for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it can be really scary to be in a relationship with a man because they'll often struggle with making commitments and decisions. It's just a time of tremendous uncertainty for them. And so we'll feel unsafe and, you know, he'll, he'll have these new behaviors that seem odd or strange and we'll worry something's wrong. Um, but making fun of it is definitely not what we want to do, making fun of the midlife crisis. But what we want to do is be much more supportive. And, and that's the most important time for us to listen, because as he's sharing, you know, what he wants, is this what he wants to do the rest of his life for his career? Is this, you know, who he wants to be and being really you just having that duct tape and listening to learn from them and, and being there to support them by listening and not freaking out at what he says. Again, it's just this time, um, you know, we, we call it the tunnel, but he has to go through it himself. And the best thing we could do is support them. And so being able to just be there, be supportive, listen is the best way that we can support them in handling it. And when they get through the tunnel, because we were there for them and we were just that wonderful source of support, they're often so grateful. And it can be a time of tremendous intimacy where they're sharing so much. And, you know, we love when they share and they're vulnerable in that way. And, you know, we feel so connected to them. So it can be a tremendous time for a relationship and be, you know, fantastic source of information for us, but a fantastic time of intimacy. And if, if we can handle it without panicking and freaking out, and again, just keep breathing. That's the, the most important thing. Keep breathing. And, um, and, you know, what we say is, you know, we, we have like a cave woman and a queen. And anytime we feel afraid of something and we're scared, uh, we feel threatened, um, anytime that happens, our amygdala is going to kick in and we're going to release hormones that give it, you know, the cortisol, the stress home hormone, and, you know, it'll trigger that 
that reaction, that instinct that um, human animal. Yeah, (laughs) you're a cave woman and it's what we call human animal. And so anytime we feel tension, that means human animal has been triggered. So one of the most important things we can do is take three big deep breaths and know, okay, this is just a biological brain state. My body's released these hormones and, you know, is, is a tiger going to eat me? No. You know, is anybody going to die? No. Is my life really in danger? No. Um, because we inhabit bodies that are designed to survive in the ancient wild. And so our threat, our, uh, our sensitivity to threat and, and fear is highly calibrated to, again, survive in the wild. And it served us so well, but, now that we're in much safer environments, it's amazing. And because of the emotional part of our brain, uh, women, uh, that fight or flight, that fear instinct is triggered much more often by emotional stress. And men aren't triggered by emotional stress the same way we are. And so an emotional stressor trigger these same hormones that'll give us that panicked feeling, that tightness in our chest, and that tension in our bodies that causes us to have that human animal reaction. So if we can just recognize that it's a biological brain state and you know our instinct is to react and react and react and say something and do something to relieve that tension. But if we can just recognize this tension, it's like, okay, my body's sensed a threat somehow. It's released this you know, cortisol and these other hormones that are giving me this human animal instinct of I'm afraid of something. So instead of reacting to it, this is just a biological brain state can I take three big deep breaths or more, however many big deep breaths it takes, and then calm our bodies down, get the biochemistry down to normal so that we can make a human partnership, I mean, a human spirit choice, which is what we want and what we want so much for both men and women is whenever our caveman is triggered, our cave woman is triggered, our human animal is triggered, instead of reacting in a way that may not be good for partnership, but how can we choose human spirit instead and, and, and make conscious choices that are better for our relationship and better for our partnerships. And again, when you recognize it's just a biological brain state, you, it doesn't have to rule you. You yeah. can just get, get your heart rate down and get, your, get this, you know, the biochemistry down take lots of deep breaths and then you can make the best choice for partnership and best choice for our relationships. Oh, so, so true. I had one of my past guests, Heather Lynn Darby, who I think is watching too. She talked about that deep breath really is the release of the breath, releasing it slowly to help calm calm the vagus nerve, right? The nerve that's connected our gut and our brain and just like get that, that relaxation state. So so true that, and I, I started to realize that some of the things that I was doing out of instinct, I could absolutely manage. But being aware that it's an instinct and it's not necessarily that it's, it's, a, it's a biological <laughs> response and not necessarily something that I need to act on. Like mm-hmm. I can actually modulate myself. So I so appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure when we piqued so many people's curiosity, like, so what can they do to learn more where, what resources do you have available? What classes do you have? Can you share a little bit about where they can learn more about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at understandmen.com um, is our website. And if you go to free stuff, Allison has so many great resources, so much stuff there for free. And it's just wonderful to give people a taste and get more information. And it's awesome content. And, um, and then also if, 
there, we have tons of online courses. They'll, they'll see um, Understanding Men online course, Understanding Women online course. We have a whole course just understanding sex and intimacy, and then a whole course, which we used to call Understanding Men and Marriage, but now it's understanding relationships and so love and commitment. And so it's wonderful because it's one of the things, you know, women want most is a long-term commitment. And in that course, it, you'll, they'll learn the 12 things that make us the right woman to marry. And it's just fantastic. But the whole curriculum is incredible. It's made such a difference in my life. After that first course um, that I shared, I, my husband said, just put it on a credit card, fly to California, take all the workshops. And it made such a difference in our life that we felt we had a moral obligation to bring it here to Texas. And that's when I signed up for the mastery program and became a workshop leader and have been teaching this for nine years. So it's incredible. Um, but on understandmen.com, we've got online courses. And for people who like live workshops on the homepage at the bottom, there's, it says live courses. You can click that. And here in Dallas, we have Understanding Men. It, we call it the Queen's Code Workshop uh, Live. And then we also have Understanding Women, which is the Queen's Code Challenge. Yes, thank you. I have my brochure uh, right here live here and and it's great i mean online you can learn from anywhere it's you know so much flexibility but there's a lot uh, for the live workshops to be in a room with other people and to share that experience with other women who are so frustrated with men and just you know it's just fantastic the live workshops as well so uh, i recommend you know whatever your learning style is uh, but i truly recommend our curriculum. It's made such a difference. And like I shared, our marriage has never been better. I'm so happy. My husband is happy and we have a beautiful partnership. And it's what I want most for everyone. I want, you know, all the women I coach who are single, I want to help them find love. And all of the people that I coach that are in relationships, I want them to have a beautiful, mutually supportive, mutually empowering relationship where they're both so happy. And this is the best information I've found. I can't recommend it enough. It's absolutely life-changing. I do have, do you have a few more minutes? I have a couple questions that I just feel just popped up in what you shared. So much of our focus has been on women and, uh, and our women's, you know, women's responsibility or responding to men. But I'm curious about what do men come to these courses for? Which courses do they have? So if there's men listening out there that all are really invested in making and having a better relationship with maybe females that they work with or their daughters, wives, mothers, et cetera, what do they, what resources are there for them and what oh, do yeah. they get out of it? Oh, absolutely. So uh, the, the most amazing course is our Understanding Women course. And, and the live version is the Queen's Code Challenge, Understanding Women. But it's incredible because men, you know, we're different. We're designed differently. They have so much testosterone in utero that causes so many developmental differences. And women, you know, just the communication, like I shared, um, that three times larger part of the brain causes us to speak on average 20,000 words a day and men speak on average 7,000 words a day. So just communication um, differences are, are tremendous. But, you know, most men are aware that women are different. And, you know, and I know it sounds silly, but, you know, we've been able to do everything they can do. So we just assume, why can't you do everything I could do? Mm -hmm. And we're just incredible adapters. We're master adapters. And they're much more aware that we're different and that they can't do everything that we can do. <laughs> and it's so wonderful to research men and, and for all the men that I've taught 
I've taught all over the country, the Understanding Women Workshop, and coach men all over the world um, in Understanding Women. But they are, um, they're just so aware that we're different and that they want to just learn. They want to learn how to win with us. They want to learn how to make us happy. They want to learn how to have successful relationships because they're often so frustrated and baffled by things like our feelings or, you know, how we're, our, we have communication differences. And in the Understanding Women workshop or the online course, they learn so much. They learn how we think, how to motivate us, and how to support us, how to communicate best with us. And we have how a to attract us. Yes, how to attract us. And, uh, and we have a whole section on female sexuality, which they love. It's always their favorite part in the workshop. And, you know, they hold their phones up and they zoom in to, you know, <laughs> the flip charts and they're just taking notes like crazy um, to learn how to support us so that, you know, to bring out the best in us and, you know, we're more likely to want to have sex with them when they do all these wonderful things and understanding how to ask us for what they need and understanding criticism and understanding why we do need to share and your, you know, you need to call your brothers to connect and how much that provides for us. And really it's just a, everything that they need to be able to set, to win with us and to bring out the best in us and to make us happy. And I, I love it. It's this, Allison says it's the most important work she's ever done. And, and I agree. I love the understanding women course and it helps men tremendously. And we also do have a Heroes Challenge course. It's called a Heroes Challenge, Being an Extraordinary Man. And you can get it online, but then also uh, it's on that homepage, when you click live courses, you'll see options for the live courses as well. And what's we that have, course for? We have, the, we have that coming up in Dallas uh, on October 19th and 20th, I think. And what's um, the purpose of that? Well, that course, so that course for men, it's about, so it's called Being an Extraordinary Man. And so what happens is, is often, um, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is, you know, a load of crap. Because as you know, <clears throat> the things that come out of women's mouth and the things that we say when we're hurt can be devastating to men. Mm -hmm. Just things happen in their life, disappointments, setbacks, failures, divorces, big breakups, you know, big disappointments at work. Um, things happen throughout a man's life that, you know, slowly kind of tear a little piece of him and another little piece and another little piece. And all of these things that can happen over a man's life can actually diminish his ability to be a great provider. And so one of the most important things we do in a hero's challenge is that we put men back together. And then once we put them back together, we empower them and give them tools to continue to become extraordinary from there and then all the things that they need to be their best and operate at the top of their game and how to ask you know the people in their life you know in a way that works with less resistance and you know less effort for the things that they need to continue to be their best and you know we all want strong men and we all want a man to be a strong provider a strong protector so it's you know one of Allison's favorite courses is to be able to empower these men to be extraordinary and be their most extraordinary self and wow. I, I can't tell you how many men have told me it's the best thing they've ever done and it's taught by men too, right? Um, and well, Allison teaches the online one, of course, but here in Dallas, it's taught by a man named Calvin Edwards. And then in Atlanta, it's taught by a woman. And in Arizona, it's taught by a woman. But it's great. I mean, it's, it's you know, wonderful uh, 
to have a woman lead it. It's not, um, I, I've been there. I've got, I've been, thank goodness, had the pleasure to be in the back of the room with Allison leading and it's extraordinary. That's phenomenal. Wow. Well, I just, first of all, I just want to acknowledge you, Adrian, for the life that you bring to relationships. Mm -hmm. the, the amount of the passion that comes out of it, like you described earlier. Also the partnership, right? The partnership, the, the love, the, the commitments that are cemented because of your work. And I mean, it's had a tremendous impact on me, on my, my family relationships, on my love relationships, and my work relationships. Yes. I really, I really can't. That's, you know, that's why I say yes anytime that there's something coming up. I'm like, yes, I got to be there. I got to learn more. And, you know, have all my notes here to, to share with all the people in my life because they see the, the benefit it's had on me and who I be. I become a better woman, a better version of myself. And I Absolutely. think that's, that's really what I love that you're, you've committed your life and your time and your talent to is to help us become better versions of ourselves. And I'm so grateful for you sharing this information with us today. And I, I really hope that any of you listening out there, that if any of this stuff resonated with you in any way, I mean, there's so many resources. There are books to read. There's online courses or live classes like, Al, like Adrian mentioned. And all of those have made such an impact on, on many of the thousands of people's lives, as you've heard from Adrian today. So just want to encourage all, all of you to go out and make your relationships come to life. That's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here. Any last parting words for our guests? Or no, our just thank you so much. I absolutely adore you and it makes me so happy. Thank you for everything you shared. And I'm so happy for the benefits that you've had in your relationships. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh my gosh. Can't say enough. And I'm sure I'll, I'll have you back on again. So I, I think out of this, we might have some other interests and other questions. Uh, so for those of you listening next week, we're so excited. We also have a, another wonderful guest, Trish Cruz, who will be coming in to talk about how to align work and your values, which is something that we don't ever get enough information about, especially if we're wanting to come alive at work, how to make sure that what we believe in and what we want to stand for also matches what we do for, for our living. Um, so I'm looking forward to that on September 3rd at the regular time. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm gonna sign off. And, and Adrian, thank you, can't appreciate you enough for being here and for sharing what you did with us. You're so welcome and thank you so much. <laughs> Bye everybody.